My name is Tony, and I was in a cult for over a decade. And my name is Lindsay, and my sister was in a cult for over a decade. And now I'm out. Lindsay and my family helped get me out, and we have created a podcast. Playing in Traffic. We interview survivors of the Wimscog. We cover topics of healing and topics of all things about cults. So tune in, like, subscribe, whatever all that means, and enjoy the process of deconstruction. Welcome to Playing in Traffic. This is our disclaimer song. This is our disclaimer song. It's our opinion. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. If you didn't want us to make a podcast about you, then you probably shouldn't have started a religion where you brainwashed people and separated them from your family, so it's kind of your fault. But don't sue us. Don't sue us. You know who you are, so don't do it. Don't sue us. Okay, guys, welcome to our episode of Playing in Traffic. Today, we are going to speak with Emma. Emma was baptized into the Wimscog in September of 2002 in a house church, and she became a deaconess in August of 2005, and then after that became a missionary in 2008. Um, so, she was there for a long time and then finally was able to be uh, to escape and to get out of the church in 2019. So that is a long time. You're the first missionary we've ever spoken to. Yeah, I, I know. There's another one that left, but she doesn't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. to our podcast. Mm-hmm. We're excited well, to talk. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. Mm-hmm. Have you ever um, done anything like this? Have you ever like talked on a YouTube video or anything? No, never. <laughs> My first time. Wow, thank you. We feel honored when when people do that because that's just um, a podcast is a different platform to do it too. So, so uh, there were like twenty members when I got to the house church, mm. and, and at that time, uh, no one can go to the services. No one could go to the you know, it was the 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 altar or the most holy place. It was a uh, in the basement of a house. Wow. And yeah, and you couldn't go down there unless you got to a certain study, and mm. then you can go down there because you 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 couldn't hear Anne's name because it was too holy for us to hear. Well, <laughs> so you were baptized, and then you still had to study, study, study before you could mm-hmm. go and then actually get like revealed more and more. Yeah. Wow. So that sounds more like Sin Jung Ji. I always say their name wrong. That sounds a little bit more like how their tactics were. They changed their tactics after a while. So I guess it was maybe that was the way in the house church. And then when they got to an actual church building, then it was different there because that's when they changed. Mm -hmm. It seems like in the beginning, they really wanted to protect that name on Sang Hong's name and not really reveal it so quickly. 
So that's interesting. So what were you doing before you were preached to in 2002? What was your life like? What was Emma doing? <laughs> well, Emma was um, a, a mom, a new mom. Mm. My daughter was one at the time I joined the church. So, you know, I was busy being a, a mom and a wife and and I was in school too. I was, I, I had, I had, um, I was pursuing my nursing degree, but wow. of course that stopped <laughs> wow. a couple of, a couple of months after I, I joined the church. Um, wow. the ding dong told me it will, what's the point anymore? Because, you know, it was the end of the world was right around the corner. So right. And two, um, what was the year? Was it 2005? No, in 2002, he told me this. Actually, 2003, he told me, well, what's the point in continuing your education if we're about to go? Right. Um, so scary. And did they have a date, like how they did in 2012? Like, was it like a month and a date? And like, they didn't have a month a day because then they, they would use that verse that said, no one knows the day or the hour, you know, but we have an idea. Mm. They, they would they would say that we have an idea, and then it was through that study, uh, seven churches, I believe, and um, they 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 definitely said that there was a certain date, and they would they would lean towards 2012 because of how many years King Herod took to build the temple, and then they calculated it to 2012, but they said he would come earlier. So, oh. yeah. So it, it it was always, maybe we don't know yet, but it's around this time. And then there was a time when they really, they did say 2012 would be the end. They did. Do you feel like that really like motivated you to like stay well, in the church or were you scared or how did that affect you personally? Yeah. So most, most of the, the reason I stayed in is because, you know, the fear of hell, I don't want to go to hell. Right. So, you know, if the end of the world's coming in 2012, well, I got to get busy hustling and getting all those people to come in. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to be left behind and I don't want to go to hell, you know. Um, we talked to Luis on last week and he said they targeted him with his military background. And then with Tony, uh, Michelle would say with her nursing background, Tony with her uh, like having a kid. Did they do that with you having a young daughter? Oh, yeah, yeah, they would they would use my daughter as like, well, you know, you got to worry about her salvation because there was a time where I was like, man, this is this is too much for me. I felt it from the beginning. Yeah. I said, I said, this is too much for me. I, this is intense. I, I don't think I could stay here and, and live this kind of life. You know, I have to be here like 24 seven almost. And uh, but they will always use my daughter. You know, what about her salvation? You know, God gave her to you so that, you know, you're in charge of her soul. What are you going to do? And when the judgment day comes and God says, hey, I gave you a soul to take care of. Yeah. Like, that's heartbreaking to me because that shit works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It kept me in for all this time. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so when you first go... In 2002, and you're studying, how quickly were you baptized? Like, was it immediately? Same, same day. Same day. So you're baptized. Was your daughter baptized with you? Yeah. And then she, what about your husband? Was your husband baptized with you? No. He came a month after. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Then he was baptized too, but he didn't want to get baptized. Wow. So he that, came that's in. That's a whole. That's a whole other session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting the dynamics we were talking about earlier. You know, between the husband and the wives, and um, just different timings that they believe and then that they go away and it's so interesting um so then so then you were studying and what did you like about the church when you first started because obviously there was something that kept you going well you know i i grew up in um in a small household just my father and my mother and uh, i didn't really have that sibling you know connection Uh, all my brothers and sisters were the oldest i was i'm the youngest and then when I saw it looked like they had the family union, it was a house church, you know, they ate together, they had lunch together, they had dinner together. And then I was surprised that they would, you know, get together during the week. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a family setting. This is really nice. And of course, in the beginning, everything's so beautiful and so happy and there's no problems, there's no worries. And so I, I was attracted to that. But, is that something um, that they say in the church? No worries. Yeah, they do say is that. It? Tony say it a lot. to her son a lot, and every time I hear it, I think of my sister like uh, consoling my nephew, saying, "No worries, no worries." But you just said it, and I just mm-hmm. linked it that they must say that. They must say yeah, it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have no worries. What are you talking right. about? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. we were we were delirious, you know, to have any worries. <laughs> right. It's crazy. And like some of the things that I hear, it's like, like, that's not, they take like what, like a, it's sort of normalized in regular Christianity. And then they like hype it up to the next level and they make it so intense. So it's like, it's not that weird of behavior or anything shocking, but they just take it to that level that is like, okay, like that's Mm -hmm. like, that's not not realistic. What what that is. (laughs) And, and what makes me sad is like all the time I was in um, Raymond and, and Michelle could tell you I was very intense, very yeah. intense. I was really like like a tyrant when I was there. So they they taught me to be that way as well. Yeah. And it's sad when I look back. I'm like that's not the person I wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not who you are. That's your it's cult not- identity. It's not who we are. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. It's so interesting. So you became a deaconess three years later after you were mm-hmm. baptized. So can you explain what that feels like to to receive your first title in the church? What did that feel like? And how did you receive the news that you had become a deaconess? Well, General Pastor was there. Oh, he had, he, he, had, he came to um to well New York. We weren't really in New York. We were in New Jersey, but they right. called us New York. <laughs> and um, he, <laughs> he came to New Jersey and. It was in the Bogota um, region, Bogota, New Jersey, and um, he called me and a couple of others. So it was like five of us, and we went upstairs to 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 uh, get ordained, you know, anointed or whatever you you call it. And uh, he he asked us. I I remember him asking us. So we could have either refused or not, but. Who, who was going to refuse at that moment? You know, it was it was like a, you were given an option, but you really weren't given an option because if you said no, you were going to get chewed out after. So, right, that's yeah. interesting. You must have felt extremely blessed 
quote oh, unquote, yeah. to be um uh, to receive that title from General Pastor, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But at that time, I, I felt like I was wow, I was better than someone else. That's right. Sad. That's sad. right. That's mm-hmm. why I was excited to talk to you because. Not many people understand what it's like to be a leader in one of these organizations, in mm-hmm. one of these, you know, high control groups, and um, what that feels like internally, and kind of what people don't want to talk about how that feels. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. Mm-hmm. we we were always told to be humble, and that you know, deaconess means servant, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to serve, and we need to always be serving people. But inside, you felt really special. Like you felt like, you know, well, I did personally. I felt like I'm I'm special, but I, but I need to be humble, right? I need to be humble, but I, I was chosen by God. So all y'all need to listen to me, <laughs> kind of, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why everyone who remembers me, I was I was a tyrant. I was wow. like a dictator. Like a, instead of being humble, I was a total opposite. I was mm. like, look, look at me. I'm special. You're not a deaconess. I'm a deaconess. Well, you know, inside that's how I felt, but right. no one, no one knew right. really what I was feeling inside. So it was like really bad. Right. Instead of instead of the the title giving you like more humbleness, it actually made me really total opposite. I don't think it's just you. And that's why I'm so glad to talk to you. I think it's all of us, all of us that received a title kind of felt that way. And it's, um, it's, it's dangerous. If you get that kind of power to peace to certain people, it could be really mm-hmm. dangerous. And so did you feel like, um, so do you feel like you were strict to the members as a deaconess? I was. And then later as a missionary. So you became a missionary three years later. Yeah. hmm it's yeah, I was. I was very, very strict and very like, um, what's wrong with you? Don't you have faith? Uh, I was really bad. I was really bad. And do I, you feel I, like that was encouraged, like for you to be more strict, like you were more blessed because you were more strict to the members? I was I was um, under the impression that I was allowed to be that way mm. because that's what I saw from the leadership from the prior right. group leaders and the prior deaconesses and the prior, they were all like that. So I was right. like, what's the difference? And then when I would get um, reprimanded or I would get in trouble, I'm like, I don't get it. Mm. All the other leadership is like that. So why am I getting reprimanded? Mm. So would you get quote unquote rebuked for um, being too strict? Yeah, I do. Oh, interesting. You yeah. know, a lot of the missionaries are very strict. I, I It seems like... Um, I don't know that they encourage that, that they like that type of um, a controlling leader to, Mm -hmm. you know, to control the members. Well, sometimes uh, from what I remember, um, I would I didn't want to be that way, but I was made to be that way. Right. Because, Because Ding Dong used to be like, you know, what are you doing? You should know where they are. You should know what. Why haven't you called her yet? Why haven't you done this? And make sure she does this and make sure she does that. And it's like, oh, my God, I have to be a tyrant. I have to be a dictator, you know? So we were we were molded into being that way, which is very sad. It is when very I- sad. So did you guys have, like, a group organization? And so you were, like, a group leader, and then you had a lot of members under you. How many members do you think were under you? Um, at In 2005, it was when I flourished as a deaconess and I had like maybe 50 members and 
another missionary had like, you know, another 50 members. Um, it was it was the ones who taught the most were the ones that had the most members. That's that that's how it worked back then. Right. So you were I, mostly a Bible teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Did you enjoy Bible teaching? I did. I did yeah. at the time. Yeah, I did enjoy it. But then towards the end, I I didn't enjoy it at all. Right. I felt I felt like a hypocrite at the end. Mm. Yeah. So so how old was your daughter? Um, like. I'm trying to calculate. So she was like growing up. She's a little baby when she's in. Mm-hmm. And so how old was she when you started to kind of doubt and you were like, we got to get out of here? Well, she left before I started the doubting. Oh. She, oh, left. She, uh, she was um 15 at the time. Wow. Yeah. She says, oh, mom, I didn't choose this. You did. And I, I want to enjoy my freedom. I want to enjoy my my youth. I want to enjoy, I want to go out. I want to go to parties. I want to celebrate Christmas. I want to celebrate Halloween. I want to do all those things. I want to be normal. Yeah. And, wow. and that, were you like, absolutely not? Or were you like, good for you? Yeah. I well, see, I had a double life. Yeah. I had a double life. Because a, I, right? I, was one, I was one way in the church. Yeah. And then I and then I was one way at home. Okay. So so whatever she wanted to do, not that I would let her get get away with murder or anything like that, but like you wanna you wanna go to a party? Sure. Do whatever you want. Like I didn't want I didn't wanna hold her back. You know? Yeah. Because it's true. She didn't she didn't choose. She got she got really tired of um everyone uh, comparing her to me. Like she lost her identity because um but you're missionary Emma's uh, uh, daughter. Your missionary Emma's daughter, you should be teaching. You should have her skills. You should have her her faith. You should have her. And then it's like, no. And expecting her to become a preacher and a Bible teacher. She's like, no, I don't want to do that. Can you explain what it was like when she was little in the church and you being a leader? Um, what, she lived what? there. She, she lived, lived there. there. She was there all the time. I got there at, in the morning and she was there until it was, she was sleeping on a mat. And the kids every room. day, would you say every day? Yeah, yeah, every day, every day. Is that brings that brings to mind one story? See, as we were talking, then I remembered things. So then one time, the pastor's wife, um, uh, I felt I felt bad for my daughter. She was sleeping at the in the in the kids' room. So I was like, I'm not gonna wake her up. I'm gonna pick her up. She was big. She was like seven years old. But I I carried her, and uh, and then she goes, What are you doing? What are you doing? Put her down. I'm like. No, I'm not going to put her down. She's asleep. She's tired. She's exhausted. I'm not going to wake her up. She's sleeping. I'm going to carry her. I'm going to put her in the car and she's going to continue to sleep. See, I hear those stories and I never had to, I, I can't imagine somebody telling me that about my children. I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, I did want to say that, but you know. Like, so in your heart, when that stuff would happen, yeah. your mama bear could, would come out like, Get out of my way. Yeah, but unfortunately, all that, all the um, brainwashing and all the, uh, I don't know how you would call it, like, um, if I was disobedient, you know, I would feel like, man, I, I have to, I have to obey. I have to. And she, she, she would show me all these verses in the Bible about you know, not sparing the rod. If you don't, if you don't beat your child, you know, you don't love them. And and it's like, I didn't want to um, hit my child, but. There were times I did because of not being disobedient. Sort of um, the example that we were taught. 
mm-hmm. in the church and it's from the Bible, right? Like you guys, the Bible is like the main, one of the main books. And so if you really are reading the Bible and taking it literal, mm-hmm. it's okay to do that in the Bible. So it's not like, it's not that far fetched that I could see how people make that connection of how to discipline their kids if they're using that as like their moral compass. Mm-hmm. Especially as a missionary, I mean, there was probably so much pressure on you for your child to be on their best behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that's so. When she left, how did you feel when she was uh, 15 and she said, "Mom, I'm out of here." What did that make you feel like? I mean, of course, I was really, really sad, and I was like, yeah. "Oh no, she's going to hell." Yeah, <laughs> you know? stuff like that. And but um, uh, and part of me was relieved. Because she didn't have to deal with all the bullshit in the kids' room and mm-hmm. the, all the reprimanding and all the yelling and all the screaming. So much yelling and screaming. Be quiet. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't. It's like they couldn't be kids. They could not be kids. Right. It was so sad. So at what point was it for you, Emma, that um, you started to kind of doubt and you kind of started, the, the, the wheels started changing and you were like, oh, no. <laughs> Well, it wasn't so much it, it wasn't so much doubting. It was more like um I was fed up. I was so tired. Um there's there's a video that from um one of the YouTube videos I've seen from one former member and he's he hit it right on the money and it was like no matter what I did, no matter what it, it was not enough. And from 2002 just from what I know and what I've heard, so much changed. Like, I feel like every year it's like, well, we never taught that. You can go to Thanksgiving now. We never, now you need to bring in this much fruit in order to like prevail or whatever. And so I bet you just saw so many mm, changes. Yeah. Eights. And then I can imagine that by the end of it, you're just like, I can't keep up with yeah. this. I, yeah. It was too much. It was like in the beginning, it was so strict. You couldn't, you couldn't go to Thanksgiving. You couldn't, you couldn't be with your family on Christmas. You couldn't be with your family. And then all of a sudden it's like, what are you doing in church? Why aren't you with your family? And I'm like, well, this is a little bipolar. Like, (laughs) you know, like it, it was bad. It was, it was hard. It was hard because we were taught one way very strictly in the beginning. And then later on it was so, now it's super lenient. It's super lenient now because, you know, people are actually waking up and realizing this is not right. Right. And that's something that, that we like a recurring conversation. I think it was Raymond who originally said it. Like if, if the people who've left, who've seen things can, can encourage the church to make changes for the better for the members in there, like at least at the, at the very least, the members who are in there can have like a better experience. Maybe. Yes. So bad, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you can have a better experience. Somehow, some way, it's like a leopard cannot change its spots. Yeah, the, they will continue to be controlling. They will continue to be some way, somehow, subliminally, or another tactic that they'll use to to get the person to to be controlled by the church. Right. You know, they they have their ways. They have their ways. They might not be a tyrant anymore, or a dictator, or strict, or you know, reprimanding, but they'll find a way to, mm. to get them to come. Yeah. That's sh- wow. So mm-hmm. Emma, can you explain kind of way off track? Sorry, but can you explain, you mentioned that you went to Korea. Did you go one time or did you go several times? 
Five times. Five times. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we apparently met in Korea, and we didn't. I didn't remember. I remember you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember you. Yeah. Wow, you have a good memory. Such a cool so five time. times. You guys met in another country on the other side of the world, and we didn't speak to each other at all. <laughs> Crazy, right? Wasn't it a big group? A big group of of people, maybe hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was really. What was your group. first year that you went to Korea? Two thousand three. Wow, and so is that a lot smaller group, more intimate? Yeah, it was 10 girls, 10, 10 of us from New York, and then oh. the rest were from L.A. It was, um, Frank was in that one. Wow. I don't, I don't know if you know Frank, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. So, and then what, what was your I, last trip to Korea? I believe it was <laughs> the month before I left. Really? Wow. Yeah. I told them on the I told them on the trip I was leaving. Wow. But they think they they thought I was joking. They thought it was it was a joke. Really? What did you say mm-hmm. to them? I told the the one that's in charge of the East Coast. Um I told her, "Hey, I'm 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 not staying. I'm leaving. I'm going to go." Mm. And then she's like she's like, "What are you talking about? Oh, stop it." So you already me. knew you were going to leave before you went to Korea? Yeah, I just, it was more like um, my last hurrah, like my last, you know, this is it. If she does something to show me one inch, I had like a hope. Maybe she is, God, maybe. And she knows why I'm coming. And then she'll tell me, hey, Emma, snap out of it, you know? Like, you know, stay, don't go. But nothing, mm. nothing what an yeah. interesting experience. You got to go actually see her in the mindset of like, she's probably not actually God. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah, we're hoping, that. but hoping that she was right. Because you had spent all these yeah. years. And so like, this has to be true. This has to be true. She's going to show me a sign. She's going to prove to me that she's God. And then how did you feel when there was nothing? Uh, I was like, I was devastated. I was yeah. devastated because I was like, man, if she really cares about my soul, then she should be saying something, right. you know, not just I miss you or I love you, like something concrete, you know, right, right. And nothing. Okay. I got nothing. Mm. You'd been so many times like when you would go, does she have any recollection that she had met you before or was it like personal at all? It's very. No, Um. She, you would think that it was personal because um, somebody down the line told her something yeah. so that to make you believe she remembers you. Yeah. And and she really didn't. She just she was just told. Yeah. Right. People are constantly whispering in her ear in Korean. And so you don't really know what they're saying. Yeah. Um, they're like standing right next to her, speaking to her in Korean while you're there. And so you don't really know what they're so they could be telling her information about you. Exactly. And then right. But even even if they are giving her information about you, she's not giving you anything, right? She's not giving no. you any kind of no. comfort or reassurance or anything like that. Nothing. So how long were you doubting before you went to Korea or thinking about well, leaving? I thought in 2010 I thought about leaving. Wow, 2010. Wow. Yeah. I thought about leaving because um I felt um I wasn't going anywhere in the sense of like uh 
what am I doing with my life? I'm losing my money. Not that, not that I had a lot, you know, because in the church, when you're there, you have a mediocre job, barely making minimum wage, because what kind of job can you get if you have to keep all these feasts and you have to keep all these dates and all these things? So it's like, I had to do, I had to be a nanny. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I didn't make a lot of money, but the little money I did have, I would give. It, it just, uh, the fear of hell. Mm. That's what kept me in, the fear of hell. But like I was tired of all the bullshit, the 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 all the rebu- the rebuking, the reprimanding, the you're not doing enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And it was just like I'm doing the best I can, and if it's not good enough, I'm like I shouldn't be here. Right. And and I wish I would have left in 2010. What made you? Oh, but you said you were just really scared in 2000. Uh, scared, right? Scared to leave. Mm-hmm. I completely understand that fear is mm-hmm. is very powerful. It is. And I yeah. felt that also. So then you stayed another nine years. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what the what the um, feeling was like in the church as 2012 was approaching and, and sort of, you know, what, what the teachings were at that time? At that time, they really didn't mention much. No. And in the year of 2012, they didn't mention much about the, the end because... It wasn't going to happen. So they didn't, they didn't mention much about it. And of course they had to use, um, when 2013 came around, they had to use the inspection, you know, cause the Jerusalem temple had been, uh, the material is all set, but we got to inspect. So this inspection is still going on. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I also in 2012, uh, I mean, 2012, um, I was in an arranged marriage. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't. They know. won't. They won't say that. They won't say that. They say you chose. You chose your husband. I didn't right. choose my husband. If I show wow. you pictures, you'll know I didn't choose my husband. Wow. So were you? So you were married when you came in, right? I uh, definitely I, want to see a picture. So you were married <laughs> when you came in, and uh-huh. then he came and got baptized, and then what happened with that marriage? Well, um, the the, the marriage was not good even before we got to the church. But I thought that right. maybe somehow that that was another reason for me to join because I thought maybe through this, we can mend our relationship. But, Usually it, religions are good for marriage, like a church, going to church together is good for a marriage, but not in this case, not in a whimscog. Yeah. yeah. So then, so then, um, uh, yeah, we, we, we divorced in 2010. 2010, oh. we divorced. Yeah. So 2010 was a very, um, uh, sad year for me and I was going through so many and then the, the church didn't help me at all at all yeah. they were probably yeah. like he was dead weight get rid of him yeah, he, yeah yeah did he leave the church yeah he left okay yeah. in 2010 yeah he, he was never there like really he was just um he would go just to keep the peace with me it right. wasn't like he was a leader or he he wanted to you know he nothing inspired him there he was just going just for the just just to be there so that we couldn't fight anymore right right Mm -hmm. and so then how long after that did they want to arrange you in a marriage well they couldn't find a a wife for this person like I said I have to show you a picture but (laughs) (laughs) they couldn't find somebody so I wanted to be the person with the most faith I'll be the one I'll do it wow Mm -hmm. what a sacrifice I, uh, yeah, was. Wow. Mm. 
really was. was. Did he speak English? Was he American or was he from? He was American. Okay. Yeah. And so did you guys like date or anything like that? Or you just got married? Two dates. Two dates. Wow. Wow. Was he nice? He was nice. Okay. He was nice. And so you were already a missionary then. So I, I imagine there was also pressure. Like this was not your really your decision. Like this was pressure. Well, usually people were told in private in the office, but I was told in a group meeting. Ooh. Yeah. Oof. yeah. And how many people were there, do you think, in a group meeting? All the female leaders. Yeah. So I was like over 20. Wow. So, so in front of all those people, you can't just say, no, I don't want to get married. Yeah. Or I don't want to marry this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Imagine uh, if I would have said no. Right. You know, you know what would be waiting for me. Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So then did you guys just get married in pastor's office? Yep. Yeah. We did. Mm-hmm. What did your daughter think about that? Uh, she, she was, not happy about it. Yeah. She was not happy about it at all. But um she later on she understood why. Yeah. She she understood why um uh, I did it and how manipulated I was and how brainwashed I was. And we talk about it all the time. We had to go to therapy together because yeah. you know she was angry at me for a long time. Yeah. From for that and for being in the church for so long. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to like um, 15 year old. So when she's at the age of leaving, you, did she go to therapy with you then? Was she willing to do that or um, was no, it like? As, no, no, it was after I left. So how long were you married to that person until you left in 2019? Yep. Wow. And is he wow. still right now? Oh, no, no. He left before I did. Oh, Ooh. yeah. We were we were married till then. But um, he uh, he left like a year before I, I did. Wow. Yeah. He's What's from that? Virginia, so, so I told him, I think you should just go back to Virginia, go go back there, and it's, it's just not, it's not going to work out. And um, he wanted to continue the re- relationship, but I was like, but there's really no love. The whole reason why we got together was for the gospel. And now, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no need for us to be together. Yeah. Right. We were a failed marriage according to the, the church but they're the ones that put you together exactly and you know <laughs> controlled by god they should know who's going to be good together and who isn't mm-hmm. um was the marriage difficult was it awkward kind of being married to a stranger and yeah very awkward yeah it was yeah. very very awkward but um you know uh if did you, you guys had... live in the church no 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 we weren't that kind of couple because mm-hmm. we, we we were not that great for them you know, we couldn't give enough for them. You know, if you didn't have enough money and if you didn't have a certain, you know, amount in the bank in your bank account, then you weren't really worth much to the church. Wow. But that's interesting to me because because you were a missionary, you know. I felt like in our church, um, missionaries were very respected. Like mm-hmm. very, very respected. And even did from you- the pastor, received a lot of respect from the pastor. Did you have female missionaries? We no? did not. Not not when I was there. That's why. We it's did a, not, not. I think I've a met a few female are... missionaries. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is that's interesting. Why. The female missionaries got treated like crap. Hmm. 
So no. the arranged marriage was the was your husband? At the, he was a missionary, also he, or no? Deacon. Oh, so he was below you in status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A missionary is not that common, Lindsay. Well, in Denver, we didn't have we had maybe just a handful of missionaries. We didn't have many. Is that yeah. how it was over by you guys? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember any. I remember like pastor and then deacon and deaconess. Mm-hmm. I never knew about the missionary status until later. Mm-hmm. And then well, there's also elder for for the males. Yeah. And Quansanim. Yeah. When I thought Quansanim was just one person at Tony's church, I thought that that was her name. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Did you feel like the male missionaries were favored in you in your Zion? Oh yeah. Definitely. Really? Wow. Yeah. I never even thought about that because, like you said, we didn't really see a lot of mi- female missionaries. Yeah. Yeah. They were favored. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Tony, did you see that with the deacon and the deaconess status or did you feel like mm-hmm. pretty equal? I always felt like it was equal, but I was very brainwashed. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. <laughs> you know? It's hard to tell when you're in there. Yeah. So, and you would. That having a mother god, that it would be a very like female, feminine, like orient- yeah. organization, but it's really not. Like, are it's there not. female pastors? No, no, it'll ne- it will never happen. Yeah, well, that's because, so weird because she's the only one, there's not going to be another female leader like that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. also, I think they like to have the Korean um, pastors that can get together for the general assembly and they can all kind of make the plans. Don't you think mm-hmm. like they're yeah. sort of the leaders of the whole world? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Wow. So was there anything the whole time that you were in the church? Was there anything in the back of your mind that was a doubt or was something that just kind of was eating away at you the whole time that you were that you were there? No, I was very hardcore. Yeah, I, be- I believed 100% I would say at the time from the from the beginning that I was in there until um even getting out you know the, this journey was very hard for me because I believed the sabbath I believed the passover I believed all those the laws you know um my doubt started with my last trip to korea mm. when I didn't get the answers I wanted or the you know some kind of words of like, hey, snap out of it. But um, yeah, I, I really believed like 100%. I did. Um, I was really, truly brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And then so the so the so the process of me deprogramming took a lot. It's still it's still a process. I'm still in the process, you know, because there's there's times where there's times when I'm like, I say, thank father and mother. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the hell am I saying? What's Where did that even come from? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were you scared like something bad would happen to you when you left? Oh, yeah, I did. Until t- this day, I'm still uh, iffy on plane rides. Oh. I'm like, this plane's going down today. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm on it. On. Yeah. I'm on it. And I keep yeah. the Passover. And that, yeah. that, that still goes through my mind. It would be, I really want to hear like how you left because for a missionary to leave, that's almost impossible. I've never heard. Especially, I mean, I've heard a handful, but, but not much. Yeah. When Raymond found out, he was like, mm. and, uh, and I was like, he's like, I cannot believe you left when made you leave. And it's like, I just, I got, I got tired. I really tired. 
Yeah, that's. Can we talk about that next time? Then, if yeah. if you'd like to do more, sure, of course. Good. Um, when I hear things, the only emotion that comes out is anger. You know, it gets me angry to believe that I was lied for so many years and I was manipulated for so many years. And I was like, I'm not a stupid person. I'm yeah. smart. And it's like, how could I have let myself get brainwashed like this and manipulated like this? I was like, I, I can't believe I let myself well, get like this. We just did that propaganda episode. And let me tell you, it was organized in a very manipulative way. So, mm. Mm-hmm. It was definitely. Yeah, let's talk about that. It seems like me and you got out around the same time too. Was COVID weird for you guys? Like, did you guys feel like that was maybe like a like? I, I did. I know it was for Tony. Did you feel weird with COVID, or did, were you out? You were like, no, no. Um, no. The thing for me was like, um, what it? What about all that talk about run to Zion, run to Zion when disasters happen? And it's like all these years I heard, you run to Zion no matter what. If there's an earthquake, you run to Zion. If there's this, you run to Zion. And it's like, nobody's fucking running to Zion. (laughs) Everybody's staying at home, you know? So like, like, what happened to that, you know? True. But that's another thing that I checked off as another lie, another BS of them. And it's like, you know, everybody's in their houses. Nobody ran to Zion. So... You know, they're doing kinda... Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom services. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. and then and then another thing. Well, some a lot of members till this day, they think that um they can save me or like, you know, they, they, they really believe that they cannot fathom that I don't believe anymore. And it's like, no, I don't. I just I I, I don't buy it anymore. And they just don't believe it. So, so, um, they tell me stories, even though I'm out Mm. till this day. And there was just something funny about COVID that like, they did drive by tithes and offerings. You had to go to the church, drive by, drop off your, there was somebody waiting for your tithes and offerings as you drove by. Mm. (laughs) That. You know what they wanted you to do is this kind of like this is kind of when Tony was like, okay, I'm officially done with it. Yeah. During COVID, they wanted her to tithe in order to hold Passover. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. didn't have her. They wouldn't let her do Passover because she wasn't tithing. Yeah. See, and that, that that goes to show another thing that they always change. So this last year, it changed. Mm-hmm. This last Passover, you could take it. Oh, mother wants everybody to keep the Passover. So even if you didn't tithe or even if you didn't, and I was like, wow, they must be going down in numbers. Right, for sure. You know, um, that's why I think your story and and for you to speak out is so powerful because people cannot believe that you could get out, you know, Mm -hmm. and even to this day, they're like, you know, they can't believe it. So um, I'm really thankful that you came on and that you're going to share your story with us because it is powerful for people to hear. And there may be missionaries in there right now that have some doubts and are scared of everything they're going to lose by leaving. And so maybe by hearing your story, they may be encouraged or, you know, to try to get out. I really do. I really hope so. Freedom is so fun. (laughs) yeah it is very fun it is different but it's hard to get out so it is it is very hard but it's just like at 
at the point when I left, it was like, what was more important to me? My sanity or, cause I was so unhappy towards the end. They like whittle you down. I don't know. You, I, they burn, they burn you out. Like, I don't know what the expectation of longevity is. Do you remember them talking about how some people wouldn't have faith until the end? How some people only have faith to like make it a little bit, but then they'd fall away. But but you have to have faith till the end. They would always tell us that till yeah. the end. It's like <laughs> till the end. Yeah. Uh, but also no worries. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Emma, thank you for talking to us. Um, Emma's going to come back. We're going to do a part two with Emma so that we can hear more detailed about like her leaving and all that. So yeah, for stay sure, tuned. For sure. Boom, baby. <laughs>